calling, we're calling this uh, series Very Short Stories, The Parables of Jesus. Uh, when, when Jesus was on earth, and when he did his ministry and all his teaching, uh, he oftentimes made his points, uh, or at least tried to convey what he was teaching through some stories that uh, are also called parables. And I want to look at some of these parables. This series will not cover every single one, because that that would be a very lengthy uh, series. But uh, I want to take a look at a few of them today, uh, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next, and we'll see how far this goes. And uh, I think you'll be blessed by this. Uh, The first parable, the first message in this series is found in the book of Luke. So if you want to grab your Bibles and turn there, or click there, if you have an app, Luke chapter 18 is where I want to look at. And the title of this message is this, uh, Don't Give Up. Don't Give Up. Seems to be what the Lord's speaking to us today, isn't it? You know? So I'm not sure whom specifically all this is for today. Uh, My guess is for more than one person. But the Lord has either connected you with us online or you are here today in person to be reminded that you do not need to give up. The name of Jesus is powerful. And the power of Jesus is powerful and is there for you. And you can keep going. Can we say amen? Amen. So, uh, Jesus takes this moment to, in his ministry, to teach a lesson to those that are hearing on the importance of not giving up in prayer. Have you ever been a little discouraged in praying for something that didn't seem to come to pass quick enough, uh, if at all? Or am I the only one? Or are Rich and I the only ones? Okay. <laughs> Uh, I mean, how many of us have been there, right? I mean, we, we've, uh, th- this is kind of a hurdle that a lot of times we got to jump over. And, and I think specifically, God wants to use this time for us here today to say, if you are in the least bit tempted to give up on God, to give up in prayer, do not give up. Do not give up. And we're going to be reminded of that. And, and, and we're going to see from the scriptures that if we, if we just hang in there, we just hang in there if we refuse to quit god will come through some of you i've watched you even this past year and a half or two years you were at you were in that zone where it was so discouraging and the temptation to stop and the temptation to give up was real but you hung in there and you didn't always get it right because we don't always get it right do we Okay. Sometimes our attitudes can get a little shaky. Sometimes we can get mad. Sometimes we can get discouraged. And yet God is so faithful. And today you're walking, you're walking in that today. So I, I, I want to tell you that if you just hang in there, do what the Lord says. He's going to come through for you. And Jesus illustrates that in Luke chapter 18. I want to share that with you today. So if you're able to, will you stand with me in honor of God's word? As we read this together, Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. If you didn't bring your Bible, I'm going to have all of my scriptures uh, on, the, on the screen. 
and we'll have all of our scriptures and main points and everything on the uh, on the webcast as well. So we should all be on the same page here. Okay, y'all ready? Luke chapter eighteen, starting in verse one. Here's what it says: Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care what people think, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, <laughs> I, I love this parable, uh, I, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So Jesus, I have sensed your presence here in such a wonderful way. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now through your holy word again. And uh, Lord, bless the presentation of your word, the reception of it, and most importantly, Lord God, may we hide this in our hearts and live this thing out so that we might not sin against you, Jesus. Speak to us, I pray, in your name. And we all said, amen. 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 You may be seated. Discouragement in prayer. It hits all of us at different times. We have these moments where we're trusting God and, and it's not like we're praying wrong. I've heard people that um, when they don't, in fact, I'm just going to, I'm just going to go there now. Okay. I've heard people try to blame themselves uh, if they don't get the answers to their prayers right away, because they've obviously, quote unquote, have not prayed correctly. You didn't say the right words or you said the wrong words. Okay. That's, that's not Bible. That's not Bible. May I tell you that Jesus did some of his greatest stuff right after what I would call some of the worst prayers you'll ever read in the Bible. Think of it. I don't have it on the screen, but when Jesus was asleep on the boat and the storm was going on and he's in the boat with his disciples... You want to hear the holy, faith-filled prayer that the disciples said? They said this, and I quote, Jesus, don't you care if we drown? (laughs) Hallelujah. I mean, wouldn't you be taken back a little bit if I got up here on a Sunday morning and said, Lord, don't you even care about these people? Amen. (laughs) That'd be kind of hard to walk away from. And yet, yet, even through something like that, Jesus calmed the storm. So I'm finding that my words do not force the hand of God. There's nothing I can do to force the hand of God because God cannot be forced. 
He is omnipotent, all-powerful. So, no, I won't say that. So, so some of us really, really, really need to just liberate ourselves from thinking that if I just confess, profess, possess, claim, frame, blab it, grab it, whatever the case might be, if I just do this, this little ritual, I'll get what I want. And that's not how it works. God is so merciful that he will even work in the midst of my inadequacies. In the midst of my lack of faith, sometimes he moves. In the midst of my not seemingly having a faith-filled prayer, saying stuff like, God, I am in pain right now. I'm not feeling so good. He'll move. Lord, I'm going through some stuff. And quite frankly, Jesus, I don't like it. I've said that prayer a lot. Lord, I'm not really enjoying this right now. And he'll take that prayer and he'll do something great. So I I want to liberate the person who thinks that you've got to get it all right in order for Jesus to move. You don't. All you have to do is approach him. All you have to do is approach him. But don't give up. I want to speak to the person today or the people today, or maybe you're close to giving up in prayer. Maybe you've been discouraged because of what's happened around you. I think God has something to say to us today. And so what I'd like to do um, is this. If, if we become, when we become discouraged in prayer, I want to let you know what we should recognize. What should we see What should we come to grips with when we're facing those times of discouragement? This parable gives us some insight as to we should recognize in those moments of discouragement. Let me share those with you here today. Number one, we should be quick to recognize our enemy and who our enemy is and who our enemy is not. Now, look at the widow's request, okay? Let's look at verses 2 and 3 again. It says, he said, Jesus said, in a certain town there was a judge, a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. (laughs) Nice guy, huh? And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea. Check out her request, her plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice against my adversary. Now, maybe we're beginning to see the parallels that Jesus is making. He's making the parallels of a widow consistently and persistently coming to a judge for a particular request. Jesus is comparing us to that widow, saying how we should consistently and persistently come to him with our requests. How many of you are with me so far? Now, here's the deal. The enemy, in this case, was not the judge. The judge had some stuff going on that was, he neither feared God, he didn't care about people. 
But the woman's request had nothing to do with the judge. And her anger or her negative feelings had nothing to do against the person whom she was approaching. Some of you didn't get that. You see, sometimes when we're discouraged in prayer and we don't see the answers quite yet, our angst, our frustration, our anger is often then not directed at our true adversary. Oftentimes, it is directed, unfortunately, at the very one whom we are approaching. I've seen people, and, and, and maybe there's more in here than I, would, than I would even guess, but I've seen people who have been frustrated with the lack of an answer to a request. Maybe you are being really beaten up by the enemy of your soul. Maybe you are just being dis, uh, discouraged in life because of what the devil is doing to you. But may I tell you that if you have anger or frustration, your anger and frustration should not be directed at the one whom you approach, Jesus Christ. It needs to be directed at your enemy. You see, each and every one of us, we have a very real enemy. Now let me pause. I'm not a demon under every rock kind of guy. I'm not going to cast devils out of everything that moves just because you've got an issue. You know, if you've got a hangnail, we're not going to blame a demon for that, okay? If you've got a cold, we're not going to cast that out of you. You know, we're, we're going to... We're going to get you some Benadryl, and I hope you sleep well, and we'll pray for you. But, but, but listen, so I'm not a demon under every rock kind of guy, okay? But there is a very real enemy who hates me and you and wants to do everything he can to steal, kill, and destroy us. In fact, John 10.10 says that. John 10.10 says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. By the way, you know the most powerful word in that verse for me? The word only. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no other agenda if you think that he is here to make you in the least bit happy, he is not. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. King James says, life more abundantly. We have a very real enemy. When Peter was writing his letter, in, uh, his first letter in chapter 5, verse 8, Peter said this, the, uh, be alert, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. That's his agenda. That should bother you. That, that should frustrate. When you see your loved one struggle, you, we need to quit blaming people. 
we need to quit blaming politicians. Would you quit blaming Biden for everything that goes wrong? Or Trump? Or whoever you want to blame, the governor? Quit, okay? Pray for your leaders. I read that somewhere in the Bible, by the way. And can you not realize that there is a very real enemy at work to try to destroy you and our nation and the church and everything that God has established in this country? That, that should fire us up. You see, our, our battle is not against a human being whatsoever. Ephesians tells us that in chapter 6, verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That, that's our battle. That's our battle. So yeah, if leadership uh, uh, frustrates you, pray. Pray. Pray before you post. Pray, church. We pray because our, see, I hate what the enemy has done to our community. I hate the stronghold of addiction that is in our community. When, when the, 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 the county next door, Portage County, is one of the leading counties in Ohio for uh, heroin addiction, folks, Get mad at individuals all you want. Get mad at policy all you want. But there is a spiritual force at work that's taking place right now. That is our real enemy. So our angst, our anger needs to be devoted and directed to that. And how do you process that? Through prayer. Now your own personal situation, it's the same thing. Well, if this person hadn't done this, I wouldn't be in the shape that I'm in right now. Do you realize that that person does not have that much power over you? You cannot allow individuals. I don't know why I'm going there, but I'm going to go there. Uh, uh, you, we can't allow individuals to live rent-free in our spiritual lives and in our heads. Because the big picture is the fact that the enemy of our soul wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to destroy you. He wants to just mess you up. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So our angst, when we're discouraged, cannot be at the church. It cannot be at God. It cannot be at anything else against uh, us except for our adversary. And that's the enemy. Some of us need to redirect our frustration. And you will be less frustrated. Some of us need to redirect where our frustration and our anger is. It's a work of the enemy. Christians, we've got to see the big picture. Are you with me? If we're discouraged in prayer, number one, we've got to recognize our enemy. Number two. Number two, not only should we recognize our enemy, but we need to recognize what endurance is. Endurance. Now, this is an interesting story. Uh, and, and part of me wonders if Jesus was kind of grinning a little bit when he was telling this part of the story, because it always makes me laugh. Because look at verses four and five. Okay, It says, For some time that he, the judge, refused. But finally he said to himself, 
Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow, I'm going to interject my own feelings, because this widow keeps bothering me. (laughs) I just find that funny. I guess you don't. I will see... I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. This woman's persistent coming to the judge finally led the judge to acquiesce, to give in and say, fine, here you go. Now, this is not a biblical mandate on nagging. (laughs) Pastor said, no, pastor didn't. That's not what we're saying. But what are we saying? Okay, Jesus is is saying that there's something pretty powerful. There's something really special about never giving up in prayer. There's something powerful going on there about endurance. Not giving up. I read a story just this weekend about a divorced mother of two. In 1965, she saw a classified ad that was offering a restaurant for sale. And so she mortgaged her house and purchased the restaurant. The original name of the restaurant was Chris's Steakhouse. And part of the deal was that that name always needs to be on the property, Chris's Steakhouse. About nine years later, a fire hit and burned the steakhouse to the ground. Uh, But because of the original purchase agreement, the name had to stay with the restaurant. So Mrs. Uh, Ariel, I think her name is, let me zoom that, Ertel. Mrs. Ertel, who bought Chris's Steakhouse, looked into some things and she said, I'm not going to give up on my dream here. This restaurant, Chris's Steakhouse, has been going so good. What can I do? And then she checked with her lawyers and they said, well, you know, it, maybe if you put in your first name on the steakhouse, you can try to open it up in a new location. So Mrs. Ertel, Ruth Ertel, decided to put her first name onto the title of the restaurant and calling it Ruth Chris's Steakhouse, which now has been franchised and is the number one, the largest luxury steakhouse in the United States. She saw her situation burned to the ground, and she could have just given up. Instead, she decided to dust herself off again. And today, you'll find a Ruth Chris Steakhouse in almost every major city in America. 
That's endurance. There's something powerful when we make the decision to endure, to not give up. And that's the point that Jesus is making in this parable. You may be discouraged because you haven't seen the answer yet. It might not even feel like that, that you are being heard. But trust me, don't give up. We've seen the enemy, number one. We have uh, seen endurance, number two. Number three, there are some errors that we need to point out here. Uh, and those errors would be found in having a wrong view of God in the midst of your discouragement. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says this, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? See, what's Jesus saying? Jesus is stating that he is the exact opposite of the judge. Let me say it again. See, if you think that, that Jesus is on his throne and he sees you praying, it's like, oh, her again. That, that's not him. That's not him. That's not him. You are not bothering Jesus with your requests. You are not nagging. I've heard people say, well, he probably gets tired of hearing me. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. I'm going to say it again. No, he doesn't. You can cry out to him day and night, and you will see justice take, take place. In fact, Jesus, as opposed to the unjust judge, Jesus is a just God. The judge didn't care about people. Jesus says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. And see, here's the deal. In the midst, and I've seen this, I've seen this so many times, in the midst of our discouragement, when we, when we don't get the answers to prayer that we want, a lot of times then what happens, even if we recognize that the enemy is very real and it's the enemy that's doing this, but all of a sudden we get this false concept of God and we start thinking about the Lord and viewing God in a way that is totally contradictive to what the scripture says. We think that he's getting back at us because of something that we did back in 1970 whatever and we think, oh see, he's still holding this against me and that's why I'm not getting the answer to my prayer. That's not God. We think, oh, he just doesn't like me. That's not God. Well, he's not listening to me. That's not God. He doesn't care. That's not God. My situation's not big enough for him to care. That's not God. That's not God. And I think sometimes the biggest thing that we need to get over in the midst of our discouragement is the skewed, messed up idea of who Jesus really is. And may I say that this is where your worship of him comes into play? Because when you worship God, and I'm not just talking about 
two fast ones, two slow ones on a Sunday morning. I'm talking about in your everyday life as you're giving God praise for who he is. Do you know what happens? Your view of God becomes more correct and it also expands. And all of a sudden, because you're giving God praise, look, God doesn't need your praise. God doesn't need anything. We need our praise. What our praise does is it now allows us to recognize God for who he truly is. And the more that we do that, then the more we can push aside those things that are false. The more we can push aside the lies. When the enemy says he doesn't care about you, we think, now wait a minute. The Bible says that he cares about me. Well, God's not going to protect you. No, wait a minute. The Bible says that he's my refuge and my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Well, he's not going to answer your... He's not going to meet your need. No, wait a minute. The Bible says that my God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. So, devil, take your lies and be gone because I will stand in the truth of Jesus Christ and we will know the truth and the truth sets us free. But if you're discouraged today in your, in your prayer life, you have to have an accurate view of who God is. In our times of discouragement, you can't afford to have an incorrect view of God. You can't afford that. If you don't think he's all-powerful, then how in the world are you going to go to him when you need healing? If you don't think that he can do it, why do you even approach him in the first place? You're going to come to me to heal you? Don't even try to come to me with your car, let alone your body. You're in trouble. But I know the one who can. I know the one who is more powerful than the winds and the waves. I know the one who's more powerful than death and the one who's more powerful than illness. I know the one that can bring peace when there is uncertainty. I know the one that can bring hope when there is hopelessness. And that, that's Jesus. I have seen him in the sanctuary, the psalmist said. I have beheld his power. I know his glory, the scripture says. I've seen him do it before. We sing that song once in a while. I've seen you move. I've seen you move the mountains, and I believe that I will see you do it again. Lastly today, I'm going to close with this. And Jonathan, if you can help me up here. Thank you. We need to recognize what the Lord's expectations are. I love how Jesus closes this story and he throws this thing in in the second half of verse 8. And when I initially read it, it hit a lot of you. So I want to read it again. He says, I'll tell you that he will see that they get justice and quickly. Now, look at this part. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? As, As Jesus scans this crowd, does... Does he find faithfulness? 
endurance. Followers who will not give up. See, that's what Jesus is looking for. Followers, yeah, yeah, you're uncomfortable. Yes, your situation stinks. Yes, it's been discouraging. Yes, you don't enjoy this whatsoever. But he's not looking for a bunch of Christians who are comfortable. He's looking for a bunch of followers who are faithful and who will not give up. You will not give up. I'm speaking to people today that you are in the midst of something right now. You have prayed prayers and, and there's some discouragement there, whatever that looks like. And trust me, I'm not saying that you are a bad person because you're discouraged. I'm not saying that at all. I want to encourage you to, to, by saying this, don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't get mad at God. He's the wrong person to get mad at. Don't get mad at some individual. Let's do what the enemy fears the most. Let me say that again. Why don't we do what the enemy fears the most? Do you understand that the enemy, the devil, fears when even the weakest Christian in this room will bend their knee to pray. That's the one thing he doesn't want you to do is pray. So if he can get you to stop that, he knows he's won a victory. I'm speaking to the person today who is a little discouraged. I'm speaking to the person who hasn't seen results yet. I'm speaking to the person that maybe has totally given up today Jesus' message to you is this. Don't give up. Don't give up. Would you stand with me? Jesus. Will you pray with me? Jesus, right now. I'm asking you right now that all across this room, to those that are watching this online, Lord, would you speak to us now? I believe you already have. In fact, I know you have. So God, would you help us to respond to you in a way that you desire? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friend, with your heads bowed, just, just in a mode of prayer, I wondered, it, and I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands. Okay. But... Uh, today, if, if, if that word discouragement has popped into your life, if, if you're a little frustrated, a little discouraged, you feel defeated because you've not seen your prayer answered. You, you've not seen things take place the way that you want them to as far as your prayer life goes. Jesus wants to meet with you today. He wants to meet with you. He wants you to talk with him today. He wants to talk to you today. And one of the best ways that we can do that here is to give you a chance to create an atmosphere where you can talk to him, where you can find a place to pray. Maybe you want to pray at this altar and just say, God, I'm going through it and I need your help. 
Maybe you're more comfortable praying at your seat, whatever the case might be. But we're going to turn this room into a house of prayer. Those of you watching at home, I want you to do the same thing right where you're at. And we're going to turn wherever we're at into a place of prayer. And we're going to say, Lord, I'm discouraged. I need strength again. Lord, I need this request. Help me not to give up. And God, while you're at it, I'm praying for an answer. I'm praying for a miracle. Let's mean business with the Lord. So when I say amen, I'm going to turn you loose just to pray. Just to pray. And when you're done, you can consider yourself dismissed to fellowship with everyone in the lobby. But for now, I think the most important person we can talk to today is Jesus Christ. Stay as long as you need to. Jesus, I'm asking you that you would take discouragement and God, turn it around. And God, I pray for victory. I pray for help. I pray, Lord God, for strength. I pray, Lord God, for peace. God, we pray for it all. We ask you, Jesus, that you would show just how great you are through the prayers of your people. God, wrap your arms around those who may be a little discouraged today or maybe a lot discouraged today. Wrap your arms around them and let them know that you are close and they need not give up. And Jesus will thank you. We commit today to not give up in your name. Amen. If you need to pray, feel free to do so right now, right now. And if God's released you, you can consider yourself dismissed. Let's make this room, as Jonathan plays, let's just make this room a place of prayer.